Welcome to Callback Podcast number four. On this podcast, we interviewed Rich Seisler, comedian that hails out of Boston. Very funny guy. Uh, I knew Rich. We worked together in Chicago many times, and I always enjoyed him. Funny guy, and I wanted him on the podcast. Uh, uh, I wanted him to be one of the first guests we had because he was always been just an affable dude. Anyway, uh, the same announcements as always. Eric Streeper, thanks for being our webmaster. Thanks for making our website look so great. And if you want to go to that website, it's at callbackpodcast.com callbackpodcast.com check that out also if you want to twitter us we're at callbackpodcast at callbackpodcast and don't forget if you want to send us an email uh, send it to callbackpodcast at gmail.com that's callbackpodcast at gmail.com send us all your thoughts uh, hope you're uh, hope you're enjoying the show and with that out of the way let's do it callback podcast number four with Ritz Seisler Rich Seisler, please. This is Rich. Rich, it's John Novotny. How you doing, pal? Good. How you doing, man? I'm all right. Um, with me is my buddy uh, Edgar Volson and Aaron Glass. Hey, okay. Rich. Hello. Hey, how are you? So, Rich, uh, we really appreciate it. You, uh, you just flew in from Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I was on a cruise. Do you do a lot of those cruises now? I do tons of them. This is this is not a lie, Rich. I swear to God, there was just a gunshot outside of our place. It was what? There was a gunshot right outside of where we're recording. A gunshot? Absolutely, I swear to you, it happened within ten seconds of us calling you. you know, where are you? Yeah, we're in California. We're in a, a part of Los Angeles. Um, called Highland Park. It's called East Los Angeles. All right, East Los Angeles. <laughs> this is how I explain this is how I explain where uh, where Aaron and I live. Uh, you basically go east until you don't see anyone with a high school diploma, then you make a left. Uh, so yeah, sorry about that. I was a little startled. <laughs> I don't blame you. Nobody nobody, nobody go near the window, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why we called you and didn't have you come in. So um, Yeah, I'm glad you did. So <laughs> speaking I, of which, so you were just in Florida were you wearing yeah. a hood? were you wearing a hoodie while you were out there? Yeah, right. <laughs> I love that uh, that stand. What's it called? Stand and what's the law? Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Yeah, stand law. your ground. I love that law. Were you able I to feel, put it to use uh, on your trip? <laughs> well, you know, I feel that I have imminent threats against me constantly. <laughs> Does this count with hecklers? Is that uh, yeah, right? That's an imminent threat. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to carry a piece with me and say, I'm sorry, that was an imminent threat. <laughs> That's know? crazy. Was, did you, was there uh, a lot of people, could you tell it was a little bit more of a, an issue down there? Because, you know, I noticed that, you know, I'm from Chicago and, and Chicago's doing its own um, type of protest or... or, or um, yeah, well, you know, the cruises is like, uh, no, I, I couldn't tell from... Uh, from the crew, you know, we're, when you get on this cruise, it's like playing Vegas. It's like a little bit of everywhere, you know. So it's not like I'm in Florida. It's like I'm on this ship that's like a little bit of everything, you know. So when you do the cruises, does that mean you're doing a show every night, or are you doing like one? On well, the- on this particular one, I was uh, usually I don't. Very, very rarely do I do one, except this particular one. This particular one is the um, Allure of the Seas, which is the biggest ship in the world. Over six thousand passengers. Wow! No, wow! So, so on that one, there's a little comedy club. So we actually, this is unbelievable. We do sixteen shows in a week. Holy shit! Yeah, 
Yeah, but um, normally on the cruises I do like two or three, but this one you just you do a shitload because you know it only holds like a hundred and twenty. They have a little club, and you know there's six thousand people, so um, you just work two shows a night and then three shows twice a week, and the rest is two two shows a night. So, but it's good. It's all good. Do you find that? Uh do you find that you're getting the same people for the the shows? Cause no, 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 no. They know that it's uh, no, it's 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 different people. So because uh, I, I, you know, I've never been on a cruise. I know that. You oh, know, you never done one? No, I've never done never done one. I, I was asked. I'm not a good. I was. I haven't done comedy live comedy. I did one show while I was out here. I opened for Robert Schimmel right before he died. Right. And right. Um, but other than that, I've uh, I, I came out here because I wrote a, a pilot. So I'm. Um, working on that and in the Midwest well, basically I was just doing weekend gigs here and there I just kind of it all kind of died down for a while out there so well you know basically there's, there's nowhere else in the world where you can make the kind of money you make on ships without being a draw <laughs> you know <laughs> well I you know but still at the same time you like I've seen your your act oh you, no no I've been around a long time but yeah. you know because I'm I'm I am I am definitely not a draw except for maybe some people that follow me in Boston but I wouldn't be a draw anywhere else and so the money you make on a cruise you know is the same money that a draw would make headlining a club you know in in you know east what you know what the fuck Nebraska now you um uh, now the guys here might not know this. I know uh, Rich. I used to be the house MC at the Funny Firm Comedy Nightclub in oh, Chicago, yeah. um, and uh, I used to see he, you would come in there like what three, four times a year. It was no, 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 not that much. Just uh, just once or twice a year. Man. Uh, I think uh, yeah, yeah, that's all. Well, you were definitely a regular there, which is which no, was well, I was there a couple times, but uh, I don't think it was. Uh, I mean, I think I did it a total of three or four times. Really? Well. God, it seems yeah. like you were one of the regulars. Um, no, no. Well. Um, uh, I've seen your like I've seen your act and on a cruise do you have to be a little bit more cleaner because I mean you're yeah not- yeah yeah I work totally clean on the cruises really but you know I don't mind that at all really you know it's uh, you know the type of stuff that I've evolved into is kind of just all observational stuff that's really clean anyway so um, you know it's not that I'm like. Uh, you know, on a uh, you know, I'm not standing up there saying you know, I've, but that's just what I'm doing now. Because all the money I've made in this business is through corporate and crew. The good money has been all from working clean. So I just developed more of a clean act. You know, I've only seen your act once, Fish, and it was when John just showed me uh, your Star Search segment. <laughs> and that was completely clean. <laughs> it was hilarious. The biggest, the, as we referred to, the biggest crime since the Holocaust. Yeah, what is going on there, Dave Orion? Who the fuck? What the like? Come on! Like we were sitting there looking at the judges, going, oh, "Okay, there's no way. There's no what? You got to be kidding me!" That, that sent me into therapy for five years. That little show. The best, the, the best acting you ever did was shaking that guy's hand. <laughs> hey, you know what? David Ryan's still touring as a comedian. It, it, so yeah, no, it was unbelievable because you know um, the guys backstage. I made friends with the guys backstage. The, uh, the the crew that was working backstage, and they go, "Oh, you nailed it." And they're watching. They go, "Oh God, what a slaughter! You killed, you killed it! You killed it!" And then, uh, so I mean, there was never a doubt in my mind that I didn't decimate him. And when I came out there, and they went, you know, first place with three stars, uh, they're running three seven. I swear to God, if you put it on slow motion stop action, you see my fucking jaw just drop. <laughs> Well, it was so weird. It was like he did this whole routine that lasted uh, two minutes, and Aaron fini- we finished, and Aaron's like, "That's all he did. That's that's it." I, was like, I know. <laughs> and as a comic- but you know what? 
But you know what? He was a pretty boy, and he looked good, and I, you know, I had more of the ethnic look. And you know, look, since uh, you know things haven't changed. Look at you know last comic standing. That's still fixed. You yeah, know, you're right about that. Uh, everybody uh, who wins that has got to be a Barry Kathak. So you know, all these things. <laughs> All these things are fixed, you know, and it was just a matter of, uh, I mean, there were no regrets, you know, but uh, he was he was more TVQ than me, but, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't, a, it's not a thing about funny, it never is a thing about being funny, you know? So, um, the Boston scene, though, back then, because you, you must have come up with, like, Steve Sweeney, and... Yeah, yeah, Steve Sweeney, Don Gavin... Oh my God, I love Don uh, Gavin... Um, let's see, Don, uh, well, uh, Stephen Wright, Barry Crimmins, and then the, the second generation was people like, um, you know, the Dennis Learys and people like that. Uh, and then the third generation is all the, you know, the Louis C.K., Dane Cooks. Right, but right. the first generation was, uh, it was, uh, Don Gavin, Steve Sweeney, myself, Lenny Clark, Stephen Wright, um, who else? Uh, Jimmy well, Jimmy Tingle, uh, Tony V, DJ Hazard, um, Chance Langton, that's sort of the first generation. I ran into Jimmy Tingle two years ago in, in, uh, in, uh, AA? Yeah, in AA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be where you'd run into a bartender. Well, he was a bartender. You know, I don't know if you ever saw the, uh, the documentary on Boston comedy. Uh, oh, I did, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, uh, and, and he, that club, Ding Ho, uh, Jimmy was actually a bartender. Wow! You know? and when did he go? But, you know, you get you get that a lot because uh, there's so many comics that have emerged that were not comics, but they were working either as a bouncer or a waitress. You know, I mean, you, you just it's someone should really do a you know thing. There's tons of people that were just. Um, well, I mean, in Boston, Patrice O'Neill just passed away. He was a bouncer at the Comedy Connection. I, I started um, as a I started as a floor seater, uh, but I wanted to be a comic. That was but the, you wanted to be yeah. a comic. These were people that had absolutely no intention of doing comedy. Oh, you know, you know a guy named um, Harris Pete. Uh, I think he started out as a bouncer at like the Laugh Factory or something, and now he's in like. Every one of Adam Sandler's movies, and uh, oh, really? which is like the yeah, and there are a bunch of waitresses. Um, Pamela's Pam Stone from Atlanta. She was a waitress. I mean, there's a bunch of people that uh, you know that just uh, were just there to work, and then kind of got bit afterwards and said, "I could do this." You know, yeah, we need you to put down a train, get up on stage. Somebody didn't show up. Right, exactly. But you know, my favorite um, uh, funny firm story is of all times. Uh, I always tell it. I can't wait. It's absolutely my total, and I, I can't, I can't give it total credit because I don't know who the actual individuals are, but I do know the story. <laughs> and the, so, but it's it's one of my favorite stories. The story is, as you remember, the the backdrop of the funny firm was um, a, uh, the skyline, skyline of Chicago. Correct. And one week, I don't again, I don't know who they were, but the one one comic, whoever was the middle, would come out, and he, his opening line was he would point to one of the white dots in one of the buildings, which was you know, and go, he, and he'd say, "You see that room?" He goes, uh, "I lost my virginity in that room," and it would get a pretty good laugh, yeah. right? So the headliner sees him the first night, and uh, so he comes out as the headliner again. I don't know who it is. And it, he points to the same white dot in the building, and he says, "You see that room? I fucked a guy in that room one night." <laughs> <laughs> so it was hysterical, and every night, you know, it's just, just getting huge laughs, huge laughs. 
So it's Saturday night, second show, and the middle act comes out, and he never does the, the first line. So the headliner, who is not watching the show every night, comes out. So his opening line is, you see that room? I fucked the guy in that room. <laughs> so, of course, there's dead silence, and now he's got to backpedal for the next half an hour to get the crowd back. I have- wish... I- uh, you know, we, we got to get ask Glenn uh, yeah, Osterich who, who who it was because it's it's absolutely my favorite club story of all times. You know, it's uh, let me tell you, it, I remember the feature doing that because I remember he would do it every time he went went up. I right. remember that, but I remember I remember the story. I don't know if I was told it or or I was actually around when that happened, but I absolutely remember the story. And it is yeah. really great. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, great story. Huh. And. Uh, yeah, no, I loved it. I I particularly liked working in Chicago just so so I could get out of there and go down to uh, Kingston Mines and hear blues every night. You know? Right, right, right. Did um, have you been out there lately? No, I haven't been since they closed. I haven't been there. Yeah, I think they've got a new club out there. A couple of them have opened recently. I'm not sure. You do much? You do many clubs anymore? Not really, not really. You know, it's so hard because, uh, like I said, you know, the cruises pay so much better. Uh, of course, corporate's not as you know, it used to be very big, but now it's harder to get stuff. But um, no, I mean, I do very few. They don't. They don't pay enough money to go traveling. You know, um, like I said, if you're a draw, if you're doing, you know, Letterman's, or if you're doing, you know, I mean, some guys make great money. You know, even you know, if you're Dennis Regan, or I mean, there's a whole level of comics that well, they don't even do clubs anymore. They do theaters, but you know, it's hard to do uh, the clubs without and get good money. You know. Is it weird to see, like, the social networking kind of uh, catapult people? Because, I mean, you kind of came around way yeah, before. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it made Dane Cook, you know. I yeah. mean, uh, Dane Cook is the perfect example of how, you know, I mean, that was, then that was MySpace, that was, uh, which isn't even around anymore. But, you know, he totally made it. He was the first person to benefit from MySpace. And, you know, well, I'm sure there's some sex offenders that benefited from MySpace. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> he said, "I'm sure there's some sex offenders that." Oh yeah, sex offenders. Yeah, and then this new thing that Louis uh, that Louis just did. I don't know if you read, you know, that Louis C.K. did, which now uh, a couple other guys are doing. Uh, but he started was where he uh, taped a uh, show in New York and um, produced it himself and sold the. The uh, the download for five dollars. Right, and and he gave, uh, he made so much money on that. First of all, he made all his money back within the first week. Yeah, he made all the money back, and then he made a good profit. He gave and, a, lot to, a lot of it to charity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, did he? I didn't know that, but yeah. but um, you know, it was very successful. And now I guess um, I just read two other people were trying to do it. I forget who it was. You know, using the, but you know, again, you have to have a huge following. I mean, Louis is. Uh, you know, again, another phenomenon because he's got such a big following. Uh, but um, you know, it's great that you know they're going against these uh, record companies where they were. You know, these record companies were like agents that were taking you know huge percentages. And they went, ah, fuck that! I'll charge five dollars and make more money anyway. Yeah, it was it was a risk that totally paid off for him. And and um, you know, then obviously Bill Maher did his Yahoo uh, concert, which I don't yeah. know if you saw that. It, it was yeah. a free concert on Yahoo. And then- well, I have, a, I have a kind of an interesting story that I'm about to break in about two weeks. Oh, well, um, this doesn't go up for another month, so... Yeah, well, that's all right. But I, I'll tell you what, I, and 
I plan to use social networking. I'll tell you what it is in a nutshell. Okay. There's a club in Boston that I used to work all the time, very close to my house. It's a Chinese restaurant called Kowloon. And it was the greatest paying gig, but I was there three, week, three four weekends a year. And, um, you know, like clockwork for, for, for the last ten years. And, uh, like I said, you know, I was close. Fans could come see me there. Everything was great. About two years ago, this girl, Michelle uh, uh, Polito, takes over the booking. She used to be a door person there. And everything's going good. And about a year ago, for some reason, which I don't know, she stopped returning my calls. And I'm calling and calling and calling, emailing her, Facebooking her, nothing. You can't get a call back. I have no idea why. So after, after about four months, I go to the club. Uh, my friend Jimmy Dunn's playing there. And I confront her, but nicely. I said, listen, do we have a problem? And she goes, no. I go, well... I don't understand, what, you know, she, oh, no, no, I just, you know, it's been, t- blah, 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 it gives me some bullshit. So I go home, call her another two months, no answer. So now it's like six months. I go, what the hell is going on? So then I call her up, and she, my, my phone says she's not, re- she's, her phone is refusing phone calls from my phone number. Holy shit. Then she defriends me on Facebook. Wow. I go, what the hell is going on? Because we never, right? So I go to the owner of this restaurant. It's, it's the biggest grossing restaurant in, in New England, by the way. It's huge. And his name is Andy Wong. And I said, Andy, what is going on? He goes, I don't know. He goes, we always love having you here. I go, well, I don't understand what's happening with this girl, Michelle. He goes, I'll find out. But he says, to be honest with you, I don't get in her, in her stuff about who she books. If, if she, for some reason, I don't tell her what to do. So he, he kind of pussied out on me. Right. But anyway, I never got an answer, never got an answer from him. Just never have found out. So finally, now it's, it's close to a year. So I decided, uh, that's it, I'm fed up. I also have nothing to lose because I know that she's not going to book me. So long story short, I am posting a thing on Facebook about exactly what happened. I'm also going to go on the radio, and I'm also going to do a, a, a Twitter account asking all my fans and all friends of mine to call. I'm going to print the Kowloon phone number, which is the takeout number and the reservation number, and have them call and say, one, why isn't Rich Sysel playing there, and when can we expect to see him? That's all. And I'm hoping to get about at least a 1,000 people to do it. If people, you know, put my Facebook thing on their page, I'm hoping it'll become viral. And um, at that point... Uh, uh, hopefully they'll be so inundated with phone calls on this very busy restaurant's line that they're going to get very pissed off, you know? So I'm hoping yeah, that he's going to call me. Edgar's already calling them right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but so, I'm just hungry. I, I so, need some so, so basically what I'm hoping will happen because of social ne- – I'm going to use social networking and radio – to have like to be to have this place inundated with phone calls, and hopefully he'll call me and say, "Listen, you know, you, you got to call off these people. You know, you're tying up our number. We're having a thousand people call, and I'm going to say to him, listen, 'Listen, I'd be happy to post uh, in Facebook that we've reached a resolution. You set up a meeting with me and Michelle, so I could, you know, but I'm not doing it until you, you do this. So it'll be the first, uh, as far as I know, the first case of social networking trying to." right or wrong that was done to me with no explanation. 
Wow, you know, I, uh, this is kind of like Betty White getting on Saturday Night Live, except you're trying well, to do yeah, a gig you've yeah, always fine. done. <laughs> right, right. It's going to be interesting, you know. It's going to be very, it's going to be interesting, you know. And hopefully, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that it'll enough people will actually do it. You know, take two minutes out of their time and just call it. And I think if they get like a thousand calls, they're going to go, you know, Jesus Christ, you know. Now you you haven't worked there at all since she took over. Right, right. That is. Weird. And I'm in a great position because I got nothing to lose. I'm not getting booked there anyway. Well, have you been by there? Is it still a comedy club? I mean, they yeah, still... yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, it is. They're doing all. Podcasts. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but you know, I, I decided to fight. You know, to fight, and this is I'm going to try social networking and, and and see how it works. So I'll let you know. It's going to be very. I think it's going to be very interesting. Now you've got no history with this girl other than she none. used to work there. None, none. And you know, people say, "Well, what if Calhoun tries to sue you or get a lawyer?" I go, "They can't. They, they can't. can't. All I'm doing is saying, call up and ask for me." Yeah, exactly. You know, you're. Right. It, it's just like. In fact, you, I'm going to tell people to be nice, not to be rude, just to say, you know, when can we see Rich Heisler? Why isn't he booked there? That's it. So it'll be. I think it's going to. It's the first that I know that anyone's used that technique to try to do this, and I, I hopefully it'll it'll spiral out. So uh, we'll see. And I'm going to have a YouTube site, and I'm going to have a Twitter. <laughs> Great. Yeah. We can, like, record ourselves calling them up and then, like, upload Yeah, well, like I said, I'm not going to get vindictive about it. I just, you know, I just want them to be no, inundated. No, we'll do it for the, well, we will on your behalf. Yeah, it's we will okay. on your behalf. We'll, uh, we'll just call. We won't be mean, but we'll, we'll call up. And actually, we could. We have the technology because we're recording off of Skype. We'll, we'll just call and actually you know, Perfect. record a couple of I, I want them to be besieged by phone calls. <laughs> and people call to say, great speak to the manager. Yeah, we just want to know why we're in which sites are there and, and when can we expect to oh, see them. Oh, didn't you know she passed away about four weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Now, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting. And, and you know, she's going to be furious, but, you know, I don't give a shit because, uh, you know. I love you, Boston guys. You don't give a shit. Nah, nah. Did, so. uh, I'm trying to think of other Boston dudes I worked with. Uh, Mike McDonald? Mike, I never get to see Mike. Um, not not the know. guy that still lives at home with his parents, but the guy with the ponytail. Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't have a ponytail anymore. But yeah, yeah, he's a great comic. Uh, still lives in town. You know, there are a lot of guys that never left town. Tony V. Did you ever work with Tony V? Tony V sounds really familiar. One of the best comics around in Boston. Jimmy well, Dunn is a real good friend of mine. Well, like Steve Sweeney never leaves Boston, really. Never leaves. Never leaves. And there's, is there any, is there a, how's the club scene there? Is it strong? Very, very bad. There's nothing going on. Is Nick still nothing. on? What's that? Nick's? Yeah, Nick's is still on, is still around, but that's about it. It's, it's very little. They're, they just, there's the Wilbur Theater, which only books national names, big names. Right. And then all the local stuff has died. So people like myself and Gavin have gone into, you know, doing all these cruises, you know, which is not the worst life in the world. You just got to travel, you know. No, do you, do you get sick of it, or do you get, like, I mean... You get not... sick of it, and then you enjoy it. I mean, you work in some big theaters. I mean, sometimes it's great, sometimes it sucks, you know? But um, it's not bad, you see, and you're, you know, you're getting fat, you're eating all this <laughs> crappy food, you know? It's, 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 it's all right. It's not bad at all. I, you know, I can't complain. Do you do... But uh, there's tons of jokes, you know? Do you, uh, are, are there cruises where you just do, like, one or two shows a, a week, or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just on a cruise, the Freedom of the Seas on Royal Caribbean, where um, the guy, the guy who's the cruise director, does the late night show himself. He's an English guy. Or I came on on a on a Sunday. He goes, "Yeah, we need you to do 15 minutes in the in the uh, farewell show, and then 15 minutes in the welcome aboard show." I go, "That's it for my week. That's it." He goes, "Yeah." 
And that Jesus. was it for my week. You ever get like cabin fever uh, on the cruise ship when during your downtime? Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I you know I mean like right now I'm downloading all the movies I can so I can have tons of shit to watch. You know. But um, oh, that's right. You know, Aaron. Um, Aaron is a. He works in music, and he does front of the house for um, a few bands, and he uh, does a – you do a cruise. You just got off one, right? Once a year, I go on the Jam Cruise. Oh, my God. Uh, the which, Jam Cruise? Yeah, it goes in and out of Fort Lauderdale, and it goes to the Caribbean and back. Right. And, um, it's a what great time. But that's that was the first – I did it uh, a couple of years ago, and that was the first cruise I had ever been on. Um, jam cruise like hippie music, jam. Oh yeah, like oh. noodley. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's like, a whole different crowd. 20, believe me, twenty-five you know guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, those are like people that are following fish and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the smelliest. Cruise yeah, no, no. Ever. This is the cruise. The people you get on these cruises. Well, it changes. It, everyone knows in this business. If you if it's more than a seven day cruise, the age goes up to like sixty, seventy years old because those are the people that are retired that can take ten days off. If it's a seven day cruise, it can be young. But it's basically like playing Vegas. You know, you get people from all over. and um, So it's, you know, it's just like when I used to play at the Riv, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think actually. Yeah, it's great. I they think treat I actually you well. ran into you at the Riv once when I was in Vegas. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's did. right. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, that was we a good all time. Met for, we all met for lunch somewhere. A bunch yeah. of the comics are working in town. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, Let's see. What I think else? we all I think we all PF changed it one day or something. What is it that you do? Uh, <laughs> that's not code for anything, guys. Just so you know, right. <laughs> it's not yeah. a gay thing. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, well, yeah. How oh, spicy it's, it's, would you like your Chang <laughs> sauce? You PF changed them up the ass, man. Yeah, exactly. It's not what you think. We fucked each other. Uh, <laughs> so, um, if I remember correctly, you were the you went to New Orleans every year for Jazz Fest, right? Yeah, I went to New Orleans every year for Jazz Fest, but I haven't been doing it uh, in the last three or four years. Springsteen's going to be there this year, I think. I know, I know, I know. Bruce? Uh, Bruce Springsteen. I, started, I started dating a girl that doesn't like crowds, so... Uh, <laughs> well, then she should come out to my shows. But, uh... <laughs> no, but you know what I have been doing the last three years is I've been, do, um, I've been in the Melbourne Comedy Festival in Australia. Oh, wow, have you seen uh, Rich Hall out there? Oh yeah, I've seen Rich all every year. Yeah, yeah he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he actually, oh really? He married my ex-wife and I. He was our like uh, master of ceremony, so I blame him. Oh yeah, yeah. Rich Hall does really well out there. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, huge. He sings that. Uh, he actually came up with a song about Bunderberg rum. <laughs> I don't know oh, is that the character that he plays? No, well, from yeah, Otis Lee Crenshaw, but he also. Yeah. Uh, Bunderberg rum. I don't know if you ever had it. It's like some swill apparently in in Australia. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But uh, he, he he did a thing. Was it two years ago? He arranged a uh, softball game, and oh, yeah. he somehow he got a bunch of bats and balls. And now ha, you know you got to realize that there, there was like three Americans there, you know, ten Brits and about thirty Aussies that had never even seen Australia. And the funny, I mean, had seen softball. And the funniest thing was the guy, the Australians beat us. They beat the Palms. It was the Australians versus the Palms, which is the English. And they beat us, and they were swinging the bat like a cricket bat, you know. <laughs> and they were still pounding it out like a It was hysterical because they're swinging it up, you know. But uh, they they kicked our asses. It was embarrassing. I played. Um, I played. Uh, well, Rich and I. Whenever I'd be in the UK, because that's where he lives, I would I send him actually a bunch of uh, for his birthday every year. I would get him like a, a a softball bat or a baseball bat or something. And for the UK, uh, we were out there one time and we went to the uh, one of the um, ballparks out there or whatever that would it was like an open field, a park. And uh, this guy was there 
who was watching us play, and he was a, a cricket guy, and he came running out by where I was, and he wanted to take some fielding, and I handed him my glove, and he just tosses the glove aside, and he was catching a baseball with his bare hands, and it was the craziest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that's what they were doing. That's exactly what they were doing. But the funniest thing is that they beat us. <laughs> Very embarrassing. Did, well, you know, did the we have to use the mercy rule? Yeah, right. Now we didn't have to use the mercy rule. So. The way Americans play uh, softball, though, you've got to have a keg of beer with you. Exactly. So, that, was, yeah. that was the problem. No, it was a lot of fun. And, and you know, the, the Aussie crowds are great. And I've really gotten to know Melbourne quite a bit over the last three years, and I love it up there, man. And the comics are really, you know, they... They they don't have an attitude like uh, you know uh, you know what are you doing here they're they're very supportive and it was really it's really great I I know a couple of Aussie comics uh, Greg Fleet yeah I know the name but I don't know and and what about uh, Brendan Burns he was a big shout right. out there for a while you know uh, this is a funny story because when we were playing in the UK I remember like he was trying to get a softball game together same thing uh, Rich Hall and and uh, so he had all these people. Um, and he's explaining the rules to them, you know, and he's like, okay, there's, right. there's four bases, and they're like, well, why does there have to be four? Why can't there be five? It, it just is. And I remember at one point um, he did a double play, like he caught like the ball at second and right. stepped, stepped on second to get the runner, and n- normally the reaction is, yay, you know, we get to go back, you know, but they're like, oh, so now we get to field less. No, no, you're supposed to feel less. It's like you're not supposed to. You're yeah, supposed it, was, to want it, was, that. it was just like that. Even more confusing in uh, in uh, Australia, but it was just like that. I did comedy in Australia. My act went down the toilet in the opposite direction. Does that really work out there? I don't know. Is that, is that actually a thing? Uh, that's what they say. Yeah, that the water goes the other way when you flush the toilet. No, is it like? Uh, is it like? I, I used to do a joke about that. You know, I go to Australia and I come back, and my father, you know, he could have asked me anything about Australia, and that's what he asked me about the fucking toilet water. <laughs> I go, you know, he could ask me how the comedy shows. Does the toilet really go the other way? <laughs> that, that, that was his fucking question. You know, is it like Edinburgh? Where you've got to uh, finance your own shows, or? Um, well, I had a, a unique situation. You, 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 it's not like Edinburgh. Edinburgh, you have to rent your own theater and do all that. Uh, the festival, truth be told, I was invited by the con- the major comedy club, and I played all month at the comedy club of the festival. So they, um, they paid for me. I actually made money from the club for the month. So I had a really good situation, although I was part of the club as opposed to having my own venue at the festival. So, um, but I was lucky because uh, the guy, I had been in Australia a few other times uh, after cruises. I had stayed an extra few days and auditioned and the guy liked me and said, I want you to come back and headline for the month, you know, at the festival. So it worked out really well for me, you know. Oh, that's great. You were yeah. place at the right it, time. It, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand I was making money and, and you know, it was no worries. But on the other hand, I wasn't getting the same press as the people that, you know, had venues at the festival. But I love it, you know, it's just great, you know. I guess, you know, it's, isn't it amazing, though, sometimes when, the, like, you get to travel, and, and, you know, I know that some people bag on it a lot, but the fact that you've actually seen the world because of your talent is always yeah. a cool thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I learned, you know, I learned about something that most comics don't know, which is how to do universal comedy, you know? Because, you know, once you start to drop out every type of, 
sports and political, you know, and reference, political reference, which is only the major political ones you can do. And you just do stuff about, that's personal about yourself, about your life. Then it works anywhere in the world. You know, I've been to, uh, I've, I've played in, uh, Hong Kong. I've played in, um, England. I've played in, I'm trying to think where else. Hong Kong, England, Ireland. Uh, were you at Scotland. the, uh, were you at the, um, festival in, in uh, Ireland? No, I wasn't at a festival. We did a five-night gig through different towns in Ireland cool. years ago. But, you know, once you learn, uh, you know, what works, and what is, it's, it's really good, you know. How was England? Um, England was, I thought I was rocking it until the, you know, everybody in England uh, heckles. Heckling yeah. is much bigger there. So, so I, I was getting like a buy because, you know, I was an American comic, so I think people were like listening a little bit more than they would to an English, so I wasn't getting heckled. But the last show, Saturday night at this comedy club, they, they heck, and I had nothing, man. They, they just ate me up. Yeah, I did a show called Up the Creek there at one uh, point, and it was years ago, and uh, the owner... Um, was the owner heckled you? Yeah, well, he did. Well, he was famous for having uh, elephantitis of the nuts, and he had these. Like, it would, his, and uh, it was he was famous for having elephantitis of the nuts. Yeah, exactly. He had uh, he had huge uh, huge balls. I mean, literally, literally. Not wait, wait. Compared to yours or regular <laughs> man's? All of them are big compared to mine. But uh, but no. And so I had heard about this guy, and apparently he did some act in Montreal where he would walk out because he also managed acts, and there was this guy who would stick. Um, a Roman candle up his ass, and he. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Chris, uh, Chris Lyman, I think. Yeah, and he was the guy that would walk out naked with his huge right. elephantitis balls and light the Roman candle. Well, anyway, uh, I didn't know that was the same guy. I know the guy that did the Roman candle in his ass. Yeah. His name was Malcolm something, and so anyway, he owned this club called Up the Creek, and they. Uh, this I is guess- a comedy show you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I kind of blurred the line. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know the. the he, I saw him at Just for Last in Montreal, and and you know they just want you know they want to have one act that's just going to be so you know so a guy who doesn't have jokes but can you know have a Roman candle up his ass is you know excellent. So I I go up there. First of all, there's there's uh, four guys going up there to audition. I just did. A, I was like, okay, I'll go out there and do a set. I was working on a TV show or something like that, so I'm like, I'll do a set at this club, you know, just as a dare. And there were supposed to be four. Um, audition sets and i'm number five at it the last minute so right. he's up there on stage and he's like all right this next guy coming out and they're like you you said there was gonna be four you <laughs> already it starts right <laughs> he's an american boo, boo. so um you know i get up they bring me up and i get up there and they are just on me and they were just heckling and i guess you know you know rich where you, there's like that moment where you just kind of like this is beyond me. Like, yeah. this is not oh, yeah. my fault. And you just kind of just, then you start to enjoy it almost, where you just kind of like, you know what, there's nothing, it's not my fault. I can't do anything about this. And you just kind of like roll with the punches. When I finished, oh, yeah. when I finished my set, and I just barely just, I just want to get the fuck out of there. I think they were so impressed with the fact that I didn't leave in tears because they had booed the well, first yeah. four guys off the stage. So, like, well, did, did you ever see the uh, Bill Burr set in Philadelphia? Uh, no, I, I heard about that one when, when he uh, he basically yeah you know what I, I heard him talk about it and I went oh you got it you got a YouTube it it's the most amazing he, he's doing the Opie and Anthony tour right and uh, he starts getting heckled and then he gets heckled the worst you've ever seen in your life and he stays out there for the whatever the twenty minutes and it's just brilliant it's the most it, it's unbelievable you get I'm sure it's on YouTube or something oh it is it is I remember I remember yeah. hearing him talk about it one time oh. And, it's hysterical. Uh, I hysterical. Did, 
I did bring up Malcolm's big testicles, and he came out and he dropped his pants, and there they were, and it looked like it looked like um, like uh, pantyhose holding two grapefruit, and uh, oh sets that, and he he actually picked them up. I remember he picked them up and touched his chest with them, like he was like <laughs> it was fucking crazy, and uh, um, yeah, and apparently he died, so you know I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but fuck. <laughs> um, but uh, separate casket for the balls, though, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would, uh, no, when I did this softball game. The guy on the other team uh, was um, this guy who who is actually quite wealthy in Australia, and he started this uh, uh, show, Puppetry of the Penis. You heard of that? And so he was one of the guys on the. Uh, so um, you know, the whole thing is the whole show is where they you know they manipulate their their scrotum and penis to look like stuff on stage. So you know, we we all came out to play softball, and everyone he, he goes, "All right, let's all shake hands and start." And I go, "I'm not shaking this guy's hand." <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I like being as good, you know, as as nice and as sportsmanlike as the next guy. But I'm not shaking this motherfucker's hand. <laughs> uh, the guys are looking at me and stunned. There's actually a show called The Puppetry of the Penis. Um, I, I feel like we've talked about this already. Like maybe you brought it up, or someone I might else have, brought it up. You know, at some point, maybe we brought it up. There was a def- there was also this other guy named Jim Rose who had a sideshow. I don't know if you. I know him. You yeah. know him? Yeah. I know Jim Rose, yeah. He's another guy that pulls out his cock and, and does all the little tricks with it. Oh, oh Jim, yeah. Jim, Jim Rose is great. I met him in uh, Vegas, actually. A friend of mine brought him to one of my shows. So I actually, uh, he came to my show and we went out for the evening and uh, he and his, uh, his French wife. And uh, yeah. he's fascinating. He's an amazing guy. He's great. I loved him. Amazing dude. And yeah. Um, yeah. And, his, and his, uh, his wife was there too. And I remember he's like, you know, just, just pulling out his cock, all this stuff. And I remember some guy going up like to chat his wife up at some point later on and he's yeah. getting all upset I'm like dude you were just didn't you just have your cock out a minute ago she's putting up with that you know, I don't think you have anything to worry about him. <laughs> yeah no, no, no. He, he's an amazing guy he, he was really fascinating he's like um, he's kind of like a, a um, I don't know how to like a Tom Waits of the uh, of the circus world, circus you know? sideshow world. You guys might yeah, know him. You guys might know him. He has that one act in it with, called the Enigma, where the guy actually put horns in his head. He had him uh, surgically implanted in his head. and He has got the face that looks like a jigsaw with like pieces missing. It's all painted in. I mean, you yeah, he's amazing. You've seen him somewhere, but yeah, he, I had lunch with him today. He he, he made his uh, he made his li- he made his um, fame. By touring with um, what was that uh, that rock that heavy metal uh, thing that went out on the road? It was like a Lollapalooza. That's or it. That's yeah. it. Lollapalooza. Yeah. And so he would actually go out with them, and you know, doing the sideshow, and that's how he sort of got his fame from doing that, which is, you know, a death for any comic. But since this thing was so weird, that he did really well with it. Yeah, he really struck a chord. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. He would. He had a show. I mean, who else could do Lollapalooza? You know. Exactly. Well, speaking of speaking of big testicles, um, uh, this is this is the worst transition in the world. But this is funny because I just remembered a bit of yours and uh, Edgar. Uh, we had a buddy that went to Colorado and picked uh, up the Rocky Mountain. Yeah, picked him up some Rocky Mountain oysters and he cooked some. I had I had a, uh, some the other day. Uh, oh, you're ago. kidding? No, and, but. Um, I was telling Edgar that you got a routine about uh, the Rocky Mountain oysters. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's a routine I've been living off of for many, many years. <laughs> it's like if the, if you don't, know, I, I'm going to paraphrase. If you, if Rocky Mountain oysters, and you know, for those of you who don't know what they are, they're deep fried bull testicles. I know, I'm the same way. I don't like fried food. <laughs> 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 it was that's close, right? Fit. 
Good memory, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I, it was funny. And actually, uh, in, in making a complete circle of our little discussion here, that line, I don't like fried food, was actually given to me uh, about 15 years ago by Robert Schimmel. Holy, wow. Yeah, he, he watched my thing when, uh, you know, I had the whole bit, except for that line. He goes, you should say, I don't like fried, and I don't like fried food. And I went, oh, that's perfect. So Schimmel actually gave me that line. I love it. Yeah. I love it when there's like that one guy that's obviously paying attention and comes up and just gives you one line. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had a couple, you know, I just did a, um, a Nantucket comedy festival uh, last year with uh, Lewis Black, and I forget what it was, but he, he gave me a suggestion on something, like a bit that, you know, I ordinarily it's so tight that I've been doing it for years, I wouldn't touch it, you know? But he comes up with something, and I go, yeah, you know, that's great. So that's the only way I would, you know, change a bit that's, you know, so solid. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's brilliant. So I went, yeah, that's great. Did he say, you, what you should do is shout the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> and, have a, and have a fit while yeah, have, a, have, have, have a seizure as you're pointing. And yeah. wear a suit one size too small. <laughs> Uh, are you so uh, getting back to the music thing? I'm assuming you would go down to Jazz Fest because you're a big fan of music. It was just yeah, like- yeah. Every year I would go down, and you know, one of the reasons this is like this this shows like the whole love hate thing we have about our profession. One of the reasons I loved New Orleans is because comedy clubs could never work there. <laughs> they tried and they all closed, and so to me it was like a pure town. <laughs> I actually won the big easy laugh off uh, oh, really? years ago, but there, you're right. But do, you, do you know what I mean? It had purity oh, in it. That's why the club closed. <laughs> no, it did. It closed like it closed like a week later. It was uh, yeah. by Steve Baker. No, comedy doesn't work in New Orleans because yeah. people don't have. The only thing that worked in comedy was the Def Jam shit, and and but but for regular comics, it was just never, people didn't have the attention span for it, and that's what I loved about New Orleans that I didn't have to deal with that shit. You know, I, I just really wanted to hear great music, and there was a couple of comics I know. Um, who would go down every year? I'd run into uh, uh, Jake Johansson. Uh, he was a big fan. There was a couple of guys, two or three guys, uh, that would go down every year, and uh, also I felt the same way. I mean, that was their yeah. Their you don't passion. have to worry about going in and doing a set somewhere. You just Never. kind of go there and enjoy exactly. yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So would um, you go for the both weekends? Uh, no, I always went for the second weekend. Yeah, we. Uh, I went down there a few times. We rented a house between the between oh, the weekends. Oh, that's sweet. It was really nice. But yeah, that's sweet. Seven to. No, I, I've gotten to know a lot of guys over the you know going down so many years that I have friends and then I sort of crashed their houses. But um, yeah, I haven't been down in a while and I I, I miss it very much. You know? have, you, have you been since uh, Katrina? Uh, once after Katrina, and that was it. Yeah. But now you know the girlfriend. All the time off goes to the girlfriend. How long have you been uh, dating? Five years. She lives in Montreal. She still got that new girlfriend smell. Uh, no, 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 no. We don't even, uh, you know, have sex. We're like a regular married couple now. <laughs> Perfect. Does yeah. she get? Do you get to take her on the cruise? You get an extra ticket, or is, how's that work? Yeah, but she she's a uh, she's interesting. She has a uh, she's a senior executive. She's in marketing. She, you know, thank you for not smoking. You know that movie. Right. Right. Well, that's what she does. She's the uh, communications uh, person for the biggest tobacco company in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a tough job, but she only gets off a few weeks a year. So uh, I spend half my time up in Montreal and uh, then half my time up there in Boston. So, like, so. Do, do they have the uh, the danger warnings on 
cigarettes up in Montreal? Yeah, Montreal, Montreal, you can't even have them out in the open. Really? You can't advertise. You can't uh, sponsor anything. You can't do anything. So I used her marketing to say, job I used to, say to her, like, because she's the head of, head of marketing, I used to say to her, so when your boss says to you, uh, you know, what did you do for marketing Cause, you know, today? Well, we can't sponsor anything. We can't advertise. I didn't do anything. Okay, perfect. See you later. <laughs> Only in Canada. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. um, no, it's a, it's, it's a great job. Did you meet her on the, did you meet her doing a gig or how'd you? I met her on a cruise about five years ago and I said, how do you, how do you like working for tobacco company? She goes, well, it's a lot like working for the Red Cross except that we make a lot more money and we don't have to help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> did you, so, uh, was she single on the cruise or was she with the, Yeah, uh, yeah, by herself, just de-stressing, yeah. Wow. wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it worked out. It was one of those things that just worked out. What's uh, what's next on the agenda? Are you, uh, what do you got coming um, up? I got another cruise in about four days. And um, how often are you home? <laughs> not a lot lately. No. Uh, I'm I'm usually out on the road about twenty six weeks a year, and then you know at least the uh, at least another quarter I'm in Montreal. So you know I'm home about a quarter of the year. Wow. So yeah. you're, you got another cruise? Are you excited about like? Are you excited about some cruises and not other cruises? Nah. Uh, well, I'm excited. In in, um, in actually, I'm doing uh, in June back to Europe. But I'm, there was a, a ship that was in the news last week. Uh, actually, this week, the Quest, the Azamara Quest, that was um, uh, that had a fire and they were like just free floating for a day. Ended up in Malaysia yesterday. Um, that's the ship I'm going on. Oh. Wow. <laughs> You, but it, it could be worse. It could be the Concordia. Yeah, you're right about that. Hey, uh, Edgar, uh, wasn't there something you were going to ask, Rich? Yeah, uh, I was perusing your website uh, leading up to this interview. And oh, that's like 1910, that website. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it still yeah, looks delicious. Um, yeah. But you talk a lot about your corporate gigs, the corporate yeah, million. Yeah, that's um, my specialty. I come in as a fake expert and I double talk. Like, can you give us an example of like what you talk about? Sure. Give me a give me a, um, a f- like give me a, a field like uh, Enron. Well, Enron. Well, let's say uh, finance. Let's just say finance, for instance. Okay. So I might come up and say, you know, there's a bunch of financial people. I go, you know, uh, and I'm I'm given big credentials. Like, you know, I'm like the head of of a marketing campaign and where we're going to be heading in the next twenty years or something like that. And I say, you know, we looked at the nineteen uh, at the two thousand and five quantum uh, turnaround, and we realized that the fiscal year reality wouldn't equal anything according to the vector scale unless we used uh, what what they used in Colombia, of course, the Johnson theorem. So we we don't think that that would work unless we have twenty five to fifty percent of the people that would go in that direction. <laughs> and, and they'd be bringing you up as a speaker, right? They'd be bringing right. you up as a keynote Well, speaker. they're bringing me up as a as a guy with really high credentials. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll start talking like that. But but it's even even. I mean, that was a little bit absurd. It'll actually sound a little bit more realistic. And uh, but I'll use buzzwords, but it'll actually make no sense. And I'll just go on for about eight minutes, and they're just like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" <laughs> so it's all double talk, you know. And uh, then I reveal who I am. I do some more comedy. And 
So that's my kind of my specialty, and uh, it works really well for corporate. I mean, you are you do have a great presence, and you know, like that, like that, for instance, it you know that's that's acting. I mean, do you do any acting besides that? Have you been in? No, I mean, I started as an actor, but that's really the only acting I do is when I do things like that. I, I you know, I've, I've been doing stand up for thirty five, well, thirty three years now. So, uh, but you know, I did train to be an actor. I went to college for it. I had my my master's in directing, but um, you know, I just never pursued it. I do. I fell into comedy and never got out. You know, that's awesome. So, but yeah, it's been it's been good. I have no regrets. You know, it's really interesting living in the periphery of not being well known or famous, but still <laughs> con- but working. You know, constantly. You know, there's a whole second tier or third tier of people. You know that. You know, make a fair, you know, we're not getting super rich, but we're making a living. I paid off my house, you know, I do okay. But, um, you know, I'm certainly not a name, you know. I never went that route. But, you know, there's so many different aspects in this business that you can go into, you know, whether it's writing or specializing in court. You know, there's so many things. It's not all about being, uh, you know, a, a famous guy. But, you know, being a draw is not bad, you know. Oh no! I you know, and I know that you're you're saying like, oh, you know, I'm not a name or anything, but I I got to tell you, um, you got I know at least in Chicago when I worked with you, um, that there were people that came out to see your show. Oh, uh, well, like, thank you. That was it's uh, rare though, believe me. But you know, it's funny. I was I was saying to a guy just today. I said, I said, you know, we were talking about this lottery the other day, right? <laughs> I said, now here's the irony. It, let's say uh, I won the lottery, right? The, this uh, two hundred and what, what was it? No, it was six hundred like, million. Yeah, but let's say you won 200, right? Right. Now, let's say it was me, and I won that, and I did interviews, and I in my interviews, I did some sort of, you know, I did, well, you're a comedian, and I did some funny jokes about winning it. All of a sudden, I would probably be booked as a headliner <laughs> because of that, that, that uh, you know, because that's my gimmick because I've won the lottery, and by virtue of winning the money, I would certainly, I'd be making more money than I ever made because of that. I once, uh, well... Isn't that amazing? I it, mean, that kind of flips me out a little bit. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you've got an absolute valid point where people would, um, you, you probably remember this, this, like, wave of people headlining for no particular reason just because they were on television shows or... Right, um, right. I remember a guy coming in, um, the guy who did studs, the guy, the host of studs, and he came in one night and he just thought he was just going to go up and talk. He thought that's what right. comedy was. First gig he's right. ever been booked on, all that shit. And, uh, and he went up there and just, he, you know, you get that first, what is it, seven minutes, they say? Right, right, right. And then he just started eating it, eating it, eating it. And well, I'd be able to back it up because I got 30 years, but the yeah. thing is, I wouldn't get that kind of notoriety unless I had these, these national interviews that I won a lottery. Exactly. Well, that's what, you become the lottery guy, you know? Yeah, right. the same thing exactly. as like the, you know, and, and people would come out to see somebody who won a lottery, and then obviously you'd, you'd have material, but yeah. they're really there to get close to somebody who's, who won the lottery. They're there. You're, so by virtue of being a, a super, you know, multi-multi-millionaire, I could raise my price. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember, I remember calling up the firm one time, pretending to be. I'm trying to remember the the, character, the actor's name. Tr- tr- and I said, "Oh, I'm Larry from uh, Three's Company, and I'd like to come in and do a." And they they started like getting the paperwork together. They're like, "Oh, we, <laughs> and it was, and, oh, 
I called up as his uh, as his management, and then like they're like, oh, they're, this is way before like caller ID and all that shit. So I was like, they're already getting this stuff in, in order. I, I come, I came into the show that night, and they're like, hey, did you hear who called? This is the Richard Richard oh, something, um, and it was like, uh, um, it was perfect. You know, it's just one of those things where you just oh uh, yeah, people. Well, it- there's a famous story in Boston about, you know, for a while, I don't know if you remember Mark Price who played Skippy. Oh, I was just going to say Skippy Mark Price. I worked with him right. a few times, actually. And he came into Boston, and, and as you know, we got, like, huge, you know, really strong comics in Boston. It's like when I used to work in Denver. The, the local guys were just it were ridiculously hard to follow. But anyway, so he had to follow people like uh, Steve Sweeney and, and another great comic named Kenny Rogerson. I don't know oh, yeah, yeah, I know Kenny. So Kenny's one of the best in the business. So um, so Mark starts complaining to the owner of Nick's. He goes, look, I don't want to close the show. I want a middle. Uh, is that okay? He goes, well, ask uh, Kenny. You know, if they, they agree, you can do it. So um, he says to Kenny, look, would you mind if I went in the middle spot? And Kenny goes, this is the best thing. He goes, you make the dough, you close the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was it. So uh, he was crying every night about having to foul these guys. And I understand that. When I when I used to headline at the comedy club in Denver, the, the guys that were the local guys were impossible to follow because they knew all the local shit. But, hey, that's the way it goes. Yeah, um, I work with Skippy. I remember Bill Maher used to cry when he had to close at Stand Up New York in New York because he'd have to go on during the check spot. And, and one day uh, the uh, owner, Carrie Hoffman, said to me, would you mind going up during the ch- uh, check spot because Bill Maher doesn't want to do it. And I went, yeah, I'd mind a lot. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to do it. You know? Um, Skippy, I worked with him once, and uh, Rich, uh, Rich Jenny was in town doing his uh, special. And I was working on his special as well. I was, uh, And he came by the club, and he said, can I just do like 10 minutes I'm working on? And imagine Rich Jenny's special down to 10 minutes. And he, okay. and it's in front of uh, Skippy Mark Price. And at first, you know, Skippy's like, yeah, yeah, sure, you know. And, I, and, you know, like, no big deal. Like, he didn't really know who Rich Jenny was. And he just goes up and storms out. I mean, it's, you know, you get that cake intro at the firm. And you just, like, right. you know, it's just a perfect spot right before the headliner. And it just he just destroyed. And mm-hmm. it's just the same exact story almost where he just couldn't. He just, he was sh- shattered, you know. He, he didn't yeah. have much material and all of it. He had from what I, from what he's even told me, he purchased it. So it's not like yeah. you know he was an actual comic. You know he kind of um, bought his way into the the business. Yeah, remember when all the soap opera guys were doing? Um, oh jeez, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking that. You know, there was a bunch of guys. Who, yeah, they'd go up and suck their own dicks every night. You know, exactly. <laughs> and they were like, they, you know, they just weren't used to it. You know, they they thought they were, that their name would just, and then they got the the harsh reality. You know. Yeah, there were very few guys that actually could make that transition from not doing comedy to doing it. And a lot of guys, like you said, they did it because you could just tell they were like their manager said this would be a good career move for you. Exactly. You know, exactly. Where they weren't actual comics who right. who yeah. had yeah. jokes or could tell, talk about anything. You know, and you know, his now now this brings me to a new topic. You uh, yeah. on the road now or, or on the cruises wherever you're at. Like you used to do some pretty personal stuff. Are you getting away from that to kind of make it more mainstream or? Like, um, no, I still do. Well, I, I mean, I do personal stuff that's that's based in truth, and then I do, you know, I just I just do like observations, and and, and I do personal stuff too. You know, I do a lot of complaint. You know, I, people always ask me who my um, 
people I listen, you know, who affected me the most. And one of the guys I used to listen to a lot was Alan King. And Alan King was the greatest guy at, at complaining about shit. And I go up and I complain about a lot of stuff. I'm just, you know, like a Jew who loves to complain. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it worked out well for me. You know? That's what I was going to ask, because I know that your act was a lot of, like, kind of, you know, taking the piss out of, of different situations. And I didn't know right. if that was still... No, no, it's still there. Yeah, no, it's still my edge, you know. But then I do some just observational stuff, too, you know. And I'm, I, I try to write, you know. Um, but I, lo- I love the observational stuff, you know. I did a line yesterday on the cruise that I, it was fairly new, but it was based in truth. I, uh, it was hysterical to me, and then I just I knew it would work on stage. I saw a guy at the pool who was, um, uh, he was wearing a Harley T-shirt, and he had uh, cut-off sleeves, and he had um, uh, tattoos up and down his arms, and he had a do rag and, and like a thing on his neck, the uh, tattoo on his neck. And then he had one of those seasick band aids behind his ear. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life, you know? Toughest guy in the world with the little seasick thing behind his ear. You know, <laughs> my, my tummy is queasy. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> And I just talked about that, and it just got a huge laugh because it was just you know something that was real that I saw, you know. And and so I still do stuff like that, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Are you? Uh, what are you? What are you doing for Easter now that you uh, killed my lord? Uh, now that I killed your lord, um, we didn't. By the way, we didn't kill him. We just said where he was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's where, a, where that's a nice unsolved mystery. Yeah, you know. But we, we we were just kind of like the GPS of the time. This is where you can find him. <laughs> the GPS. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm back on the ship. I'm leaving Thursday. I'm on a, the sil- uh, the ship, the Silhouette, which is the new uh, uh, celebrity cruise ship. For I'm on that for ten days. So. I'll be missing the Easter festivities. Are you going to see uh, your girl? No, no, I'll miss her for Easter, but I'll be back. Uh, I'll like the week after that. I'll go. I'll head up to Montreal. Uh, I know this is going to be after the the fact, but uh, uh, Final Four is tomorrow. Who are you picking? Or the final game, actually, the championship? Uh, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. Got to go yeah. Kentucky all the way. Yeah. It's the only. Uh, I, was, I was. I was. Um, I did get to see once in my career. Uh, uh, was it in Lexington? Or the yeah. place comedy on Broadway, uh, a game at the uh, Rep Arena. Yeah, I mean, I've been there too. It's great. And and you know, I had uh, thought the loudest thing I'd ever heard in my life was the Boston, uh, um, you know, where the Celtics used to play the. Um, well, now it's the TD Dominion, but well, it was the Boston Garden. Well, the sound in that Rep Arena with Lexington was the loudest thing I'd ever heard in my I mean, they, they put the sound to shame at what was at the Boston Garden. Yeah, I saw, I actually saw Louisville play there, and that was right after the coaches, like, you know, the one coach went from, I believe, Kentucky to Louisville, and yeah. uh, so there was this, everyone came out for it, and it, you're right, it was, and there, yeah. there's no drinking at college games, and it was still just yeah. gigantic noise. Definitely. Was, yeah. Definitely. But uh, three weeks ago, I was on the, uh, I had a real big thrill of my life. I went to, I was on the Equinox, and I see this guy about, I don't know, about 60, uh, so, and he's wearing a Super Bowl ring. I said, hey, is that a Super Bowl ring? He goes, yeah. I said, uh, how, how'd you get that? He goes, well, my son plays football. I go, well, who's your son? He goes, Tom Brady. <laughs> so I said, can I put on that ring? It's on my Facebook. Are, you, are we Facebook friends? Yeah, yeah, we're Facebook friends, yeah, yeah. Well, it's on my Facebook. I, put, I said, you got to love it. So I put on the ring, and I'm wearing his 2001 Super Bowl ring. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Wow. And then they test, and I know you're not a Boston guy, but he was talking, so I'm talking to him, and he says his, his daughter, he's got three daughters. And uh, he said, in fact, said, my daughter. You said, can I try that on? <laughs> What's that? You said, can I try that on? <laughs> yeah, can I try that on? So, no, so his, uh, his youngest daughter was getting married at the, in like three months. You know who she's marrying? I don't, she's marrying um, Kevin Euclid from the Red Sox. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, is there a ticket in Boston you can't get? <laughs> You know, I said, now you got you got two more daughters. You got one's got to marry Paul Pierce. You know, you're gonna have to have a black, uh, uh, and one's gonna marry, uh, you know, uh, Boston Bruin, and you'll be all covered. There you go, perfect. Oh, speaking of which, uh, the Cubs. We got uh, Theo Epstein this year. I know. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, you know, nah, he's good. He's good. It yeah, could be no. what they need. You know, they. You know, nothing else has worked. No, no, no. I think I, you know, I had nothing against him. The only guy I was really glad to get rid of was Frank Coney. It was time for him to go. All right. So you're you're a Red Sox fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was time for him to go. Man, he just uh, he he was not creating a good culture in that in that uh, clubhouse. So I think this year will be a lot better. Cool. Well, hey, Rich. You know we're at the uh, we're at the one hour mark. So I just wanted to say. Uh, so so how do I now? Well, gonna, well, you'll you'll email me when this gets. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's good. You'll notice. Believe me. I'm gonna. We'll be telling everybody. We're, we're working on the website right now. We're hoping to to launch in uh, a couple of weeks. When the authorities are knocking on your door, that means we've launched. <laughs> well, I want all your listeners to call Kowloon Restaurant. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Give out the number. I, I don't have the number with right, me we'll right now. It's, it. in, it's, we'll... in, it's in Saugus, Massachusetts. Saugus? Yeah, Saugus. S A U G A S. It's called Kowloon. C K. Sorry, K O W L O O N. And just call up, ask for a manager or anyone, and just say, "Why isn't Rich Sice playing at the comedy club?" And what we'll do is we'll also uh, I'll I'll contact you, and we'll get the uh, we'll get all your links and everything else that you want us to. Uh, you know, the, and when we get closer to to your show uh, going up, we'll get everything you, you want us to to promote, everything else, and then we'll obviously put the number up and maybe even oh, Edgar's already found the uh, restaurant online. Should, uh, I, should I say the number now? Yeah, or? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, Kowloon Restaurant in Saugus, Massachusetts, 781-233-0077. There it is. All right. Perfect. Hey, you know, Rich, so, uh, so you have a screenplay you're working on, you yeah, said, Yeah, I wrote a pilot based... I used to... This is what happened, man. I was I uh, was doing comedy, and I got married. So in the Midwest, you know, I was just doing, you know, these gigs in Milwaukee and everywhere else around there, but I didn't really... You know, I, uh, it wasn't happening for me as a comic because unless I moved, you know, it's pretty much uh, a dying industry. And right. uh, so I wrote this pilot. I, what happened was I wrote a movie originally, and I got a job working at a quite a reputable recording studio in Chicago with the idea that I was going to set up a production company out of that studio. Well, that turned into me running that studio. It's a pretty famous studio. Uh, Steve Albini is the guy that... Um, Ran this. He owns the studio. He's recorded Page and Plant, Bush, uh, Nirvana, oh. Pixies, Breeders, and uh, so he's pretty much the king of analog uh, um, music. And so I ran his studio, and at the time, um, you know, tried to get this film off the the ground. Well, that never happened. But right. I uh, I now wrote a pilot based on my experiences in that world, not necessarily that. Studio. Wow. There are some, uh, but yeah, it's based in the anal- the world of analog recording, and it you know the in the eccentric uh, characters that take that kind of inhabit that world. So wow, um, we'll see. I'm out here. It's been you know a, a year and a half, and so you know still trying to hawk it. So we'll see what happens. Well, just try to dodge between the gunshots. 
<laughs> exactly. You know, we've been doing this whole show laying on the ground, so uh, <laughs> well, that's probably, that's probably somebody from another podcast trying to take us out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Mark Marin. Yeah, Mark Marin just drove by, just did a drive by. <laughs> I was supposed to go out there and and, uh, and do his thing. Because he wanted me to do it when he was in Boston, and I said I'd love to, but I was out of town. I said, uh, you know, I, I said, because uh, it's got such a big listenership, I said, I'll fly into L.A. to do it. He goes, no, I don't want you to fly all the way here just to do it. I said, no, nah. so we'll see. Well, you should. If you come to L.A., please let me know. We'll grab lunch. Definitely. Hey, uh, you know, you were always one of my favorite acts, and uh, I just let, you know, you're also a pal as well, and I appreciate catching Thanks, up with I you. Thanks, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, let's that. just keep us, uh, keep us posted as what you're up to, and we'll just keep, uh, keep stay in touch. You got it. Thanks Rich, a lot, guys. Thanks, thanks a lot for giving us your time. Have a great night. Anytime. Thanks. Thank you, right, Rich. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye.